It's like cave drawings, but for lonely people. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, good to have you. You know the devil never dies, keeps coming back. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've all gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hiya. And the scream queen, Paris. These are godless times, Mrs. Snow. This week, we're looking back on the first ever instance of Stephen King's work being adapted to film and comparing it to a more modern remake. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. We recently reviewed the 1991 classic, The People Under the Stairs. And, you know, it did fairly well amongst our team. It feels like a movie that's pretty well regarded, I'd say. It's funny. I saw a lot of people saying that they think this the good ratings all come from nostalgia. You saw one person say that. <laughs> You're right. I saw one, but I contributed it to the whole. <laughs> well, we wanted to find out what our listeners thought. And only 18% had the nerve to hack it. And the other 82% gave it a slash. So if it is nostalgia, the nostalgia is potent. We have a comment on Instagram from Jordan who said, Wow, I just posted on my account yesterday about how underrated this movie is. It's honestly a top movie for me. Wes Craven is an amazing director. I like the points you guys made about the movie, but this one's a solid slash for me. I grew up in a lower class family, so any movie centered on taking down the corrupted rich has always resonated with me. Roach as a character was my favorite. He couldn't talk, but you knew exactly what he wanted to say. Fool's actor did such a good job, but I saw a lot of what you guys were saying about this having fundamental flaws. Welcome to the family, Jordan. Yeah, he said that this movie slashes harder than Jason Voorhees at a summer camp. We also have a comment from Rob, who said, This movie is beloved by a lot of people because of nostalgia. It's not a good movie. Hack. That's right. That's what I'm thinking about. You know what? Here's the thing. Rob, when we posted this episode for early access to Patreon, he's like, I have a feeling I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have a popular opinion on this. I knew then that he would agree with the overwhelming majority of the people on the cast. Yeah, Rob and I don't agree very often, but when we do, it feels good. We have another comment from Tony on Twitter who said, This is definitely a hidden gem. I loved it. Once again, this is one of those movies that these crazy lockdowns had me discovering as I expanded my Scream Factory Collector's Editions. I just can't wait until we run free at the end of the pandemic, similar to that climactic ending. Oh, that's a vibe. If only. I know. I hope it includes the money raining from this guy. <laughs> God, yes. And we have a comment from one of our patrons, Daniel, who said, I love this movie. Gonna watch it tonight now. Also, the episode of Goosebumps Paris is talking about is called Stay Out of the Basement, and it's a classic. Daniel, thank you for making me feel seen. <laughs> Unlike that episode of Goosebumps, apparently. Finally, we wanted to take a moment to thank one of our newest patrons, Darren. Darren, if you are listening to this episode, thank you so much for your support. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, give us a call on the hacker slash hotline or reach out to us on social media. And that is our follow up. Well, in the people under the stairs, we saw one zany, extremely religious mother figure. So this week, we're taking that theme just a little bit further. At the young age of 26, Stephen King wrote a manuscript while working for $1.60 an hour at an industrial laundry. That manuscript would change the course of his life. While initially hesitant to share this particular piece of work, the popularity of horror films like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist made the genre a point of interest, and his novel an incredible success. So much of a success, in fact, that it eventually led to a $2,500 payday for the rights to adapt the story to film. 
That investment and a little more than $1.7 million additional dollars resulted in a Brian De Palma-led 1976 film that introduced an iconic horror entry, earned multiple Academy Award nominations, and grossed more than $33 million in the U.S. alone. Nearly 40 years later, Kimberly Pierce brought to life her own vision of the classic novel, albeit one that suffered from massive studio intervention. While intending for her film to be a more faithful adaptation of the novel, studio executives forced the removal of more than 40 minutes of footage and reshoots to make it more aligned with the original film. Nevertheless, in 2013, audiences were ultimately introduced to a darker, R-rated look at the mother-daughter dynamics of King's original novel, a novel which follows the story of a young girl, her telekinetic powers, and the torment she endures from her mother at home and her peers in high school. This week, we're talking about both versions of Carrie. Who's seen either of these before? I definitely had seen the original. I didn't know if this was an Abuela movie or like where I had seen this, but I knew I had seen it when I was younger. So I texted my mom. My mom doesn't even know what time I was born. So I didn't think she'd probably know when I saw this movie. But can I tell you, she knew I saw this when I was eight years old at my grandmother's house. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? I love that. She remembers what matters. I know, exactly. And that is what matters is when I saw this movie because I have like so many memories behind this and seeing it multiple times that I was like, man, I knew I it was ingrained somehow, but I just didn't know how far back. So that was confirmed by my mom. But I hadn't seen the uh, 2013 version, actually, surprisingly. So I was certain that I'd seen every version of this movie there is. Um, but when I was watching the 1976 original, I realized that I had actually only ever seen the made for TV version. Um, which, if I remember correctly, was still a solid entry. But I also definitely saw the 2013 version in theaters when it came out. Oh. Because Chloe Grace Moretz and Julianne Moore. Interesting. Well, you guys know me. You know I didn't see either of these movies. I know that Carrie exists, and that's it. <laughs> I hadn't even been like, I hadn't even been like adjacent to any of these movies. I've definitely seen these dirty pillows before. Oh, Mac. <laughs> Why? I- I've seen the 76. But this was my first time watching the 2013. I've actually never seen any sequels or remakes of Carrie until this. How many times had you seen the original? Because I feel like you rub me as someone who's seen it like multiple times. I don't know the number of times that I've seen the original. But speaking of Dirty Pillows, that is like a phrase that was you know burned into my my mind from having seen this. And it's one of those like references you make in general conversation, let's say that somebody else goes, what on earth are you talking about? Because they've never seen the movie. And you're like, how do you not know what I'm talking about? It's from Carrie. Come on. Mm. So I've, I've seen it enough times to like know what happens in the story, to remember it pretty well. And of course, to remember phrases from it. Yeah, I had seen the original many times in life growing up, but always just like on TV passively. It wasn't something that I watched with active attention and remembered it and had it seared into my memory. If you've watched Carrie, you watch the prom scene, right? Like that is one of the most iconic elements of this movie. But I do have a distinct memory of trying to watch the 2013 version. And that was when I was like winding down uh, my time aboard the ship and we got the high eight tape in and I kept working into the lineup and kept fitting my schedule around wanting to watch it because Chloe Grace Moretz. And yet somehow it just never worked out. I've always seen little pieces of it. I've seen the opening scene. I've seen the climax. I've seen a little bit of the prom scene. But this felt really just like a fresh watch for both of them, despite how many times I've seen the original. Now, given that, I don't remember feeling any kind of way about the original, right? Like I know it's historical prominence. 
So I fully expected the 2013 version to be watered down and just overall not as good or memorable. But what were you folks expecting? Yeah, I expected a lot of like prom night energy, you know, as far as the remake goes, like uh, watered down is the perfect way to describe it. Just a meh version. And I really don't, I, I guess I'd, Maybe I'm dumb here, but I didn't really know, you know, the concept of Carrie. You know, I figure it's based around a person who has some talents and her name's probably Carrie. Yep. That's pretty much all I had going in. Uh, but definitely for the remake, I was expecting like, you know, too much water in the Kool-Aid, that kind of, that kind of thing. You know, when you're like, what is this? What am I drinking? Is this even a drink? Not enough sugar. Yeah. Not enough sugar. I mean, there was a lot of red. So uh, that's, I, I got you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of Kool-Aid. Seeing the original, the expectations I had for the 2013 version, I obviously thought it would be gorier, but I also thought I would get this um, typical 2000s, late 2000s, early 2000s kind of like stereotypical teenager movie, you know, the ones that we have like Urban Legend and Scream and all that sort of stuff. So I thought I was going to get that from that. And obviously the gore would be amped up a lot more than the original. So I remember seeing the made for TV carry probably around the time it came out. So I was like 11 or 12. And I remember everything about it sticking in my mind so vividly that I was super excited when they when I found out they were remaking it in 2013, truly assuming that the movie that I had seen was the original Carrie. Um, And I remember when I went to the theaters, I was like, oh, my God, Julianne Moore, Chloe Grace Moretz. This is going to be iconic. This is going to be amazing. It's rated R. So there's going to be a ton more gore. And watching the 1976 version, I did not expect it to be as satisfying because I was like, oh, this movie's even older than what I thought was the original. And you know me in 1970s, we very seldom line up. Um, so I didn't have very high hopes for it, to be honest. Well, going into the 76, I was expecting the experience I had already had, which was just classic Carrie, I am woman, hear me roar. And going into the 2013 uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix, I was expecting the magic of CGI. I don't know if anyone's familiar with X-Men, but... Uh, yes, of course. Got the joke. Yeah, okay, good. Should, you know, <laughs> dad vibes. I got to explain everything. You know, for all the expectations I had, I don't know that my expectations could have been further from the reality of how I felt watching both of these movies. Obviously, the original is super iconic. Uh, its cinematography is pretty stunning. It's made by Brian De Palma. This movie landed Sissy Spacek an Academy Award for her role as Carrie. So I saw things and, and I watched them and I and I, I was hit with senses of like familiarity. Like, okay, yeah, I've been here before. But I think a lot of things were lost on me watching this as a kid because I didn't care when I was a kid. But the opening scene felt weird. A lot of things in this movie felt weird. But then a lot of things felt really, really good. But then the remake... I just felt like kind of like the uh, 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I felt like it was just like a solid pound per pound rehash of the original story, uh, which was really surprising to me. Something that's interesting is that you remember not feeling much of these things when you were little watching this or younger. I remember feeling nothing of this when I just watched it. <laughs> I felt so little during the original movie here, it was almost like I wasn't watching a movie, honestly. It's one of those things, I think, watching it in 2021, it's just such a different thing. I honestly shouldn't even be allowed to review this movie because of what happens when you're watching it looking back from where we are now, I feel like. Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie's dated. Even Stephen King, who liked it, says it's dated. Super dated. And then for the remake, I, I honestly have to agree. I was like, 
throughout this movie impressed by how good I felt about this remake that's in the mid 2000s, uh, you know, two, 2010s. Interesting enough. Yes. I see where you guys see where it could be dated. And, but honestly, even in the remake, I thought they took elements that were even dated in the original and still brought it in. And maybe I'm just naive on some parts. And I know we'll talk, probably talk about this in the spoiler section, but I was just like, it's still, this is still a thing. It wasn't a thing back then and it isn't a thing now, but I think I agree with. I think I agree with that idea. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, maybe just because I have a lot of different experiences than some other people or like maybe I have an experience of maybe the majority of people. I have no idea. But like some of the things and themes, I was like, I'm very interested in this because I just don't understand where it's coming from and I can't really relate. And to me, it does. it's not grounded in the present necessarily. I am somebody who moved around a lot when I was in school. And as a result, I was oftentimes the new kid in probably a dozen schools. And a lot of times I had no friends. Um, sometimes I was pretty badly bullied because I was the new kid, no friends and gay, very, very gay as a child. Um, so I feel like this movie really captured that feeling of feeling so alone when you're surrounded by people that you shouldn't feel alone around. So I just felt like seen a little bit just by like this, this telling of a story that we don't necessarily see that often. And in the remake, I definitely felt like Honestly, I felt like they were trying to do a little too much to align with the the first one. It felt like they're, and now that Chris has mentioned the studio interference, I'm really curious to see uh, more about that. But it felt like they were kind of going out of their way to recreate the original in some aspects. But I do feel like the the way that they updated it and sort of made like technology and other modern developments uh, part of Carrie's isolation, I feel like that was actually pretty well done in the remake. I had kind of a different experience with these films from some of you. So the 76, the movie just kind of kept my interest and the characters I think seemed real. They seemed, I don't know about lived in, but they seemed like, like they were real people. And oddly enough, the carnage wasn't kind of like I remembered it to be. It, it didn't seem as crazy as I had it in my mind, but the 2013 kind of like you mentioned, I don't know. It just seems like it's a stage play and this is another cast doing a rendition. And so it seems more like actors are acting and they're acting out some lines that weren't even changed from the original. Well, I think that's one of the things that's surprising when I look at like the original, right? It surprised me how much goofier it was than I could have ever possibly remembered. Like there are definitely moments where it feels like obviously someone did this and obviously it's on purpose, but also this whole thing doesn't really feel like a comedy. So what the hell? But then looking at like the remake, you know, Paris, you said it feels like they went out of their way to recreate it. And yeah, the studio interference, like it's all, okay, this movie was highly profitable. Why don't we just keep doing that? It's a proven success. Don't deviate too far from the beaten path. But it's still an adaptation of a novel. So it's one thing, I think, to compare a remake to its original when it's an original screenplay. But for this to be a source novel, I feel like, yeah, the lines of dialogue don't change. But the performances we get felt so much more convincing in so many different ways, particularly Julianne Moore and Chloe Grace Moretz. I totally agree with that. Interesting. And that's no shade on Sissy Spacek. Like, none at all. She was great as Carrie. Oh, I'm throwing shade. <laughs> but uh, everyone else left much to be desired. Interesting you say that because in the remake, I felt like one of the surprises or essentially maybe like disappointments for me was that the characters felt like they were flat. 
in my opinion, um, especially some of the characters' intentions. Um, maybe not necessarily Carrie's in in the remake, but just all the other ones. Like it, it seemed like it was just forced, and I think because it it's putting into this where you have all these like teenager movies and I'm just like, is this not another teen movie? It, what, what, like, what is this? Like, I don't know. There's one character that like really gave that energy where you're just like, okay, we get it. Yeah. And then there were intentions from different, ca- that didn't follow the intentions from the original character. Yeah. Um, so then I was like a little bit confused. Um, so cause essentially it gave off a different vibe for the entire movie for me. Um, the remake did. But, you know, I was really surprised. I've totally forgot John Travolta was in the original. Oh, my God. Does he ever play a different character? Ever. It's his first crack at Danny Zuko. (laughs) He's still in beta. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Exactly. I'm with you, Alexis. I was actually surprised by how fantastic Sissy Spacek was as Carrie. Uh, also, what's her accent in the film? That's what I want to know. Homeschooled. Because it kind of shifts a little bit. West Virginia. Coal Miner's Daughter. Doesn't everyone know she was in it? Oh, okay. That was my first Sissy Spacek movie. Nice. Well, the 2013, I'm also with you there because it feels like things were miscast to me. And Chloe Grace Moretz, huge fan. Um, but here it just didn't seem like it was like aligned. It didn't seem like the perfect match when I was watching it. And I feel like Sissy Spacek, maybe it's because it's obviously the first rendition. And I watched them back to back again because I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch the 76 again. Let me go ahead and just throw the other one on literally after like eating food between the middle. And so I got to compare them directly and it just, it didn't have the same like fit to it. It didn't click the same for me, but that's, that's probably my own brain's fault. I don't know if the, if that's anything to do with the actual actors. Yeah. I cannot wait to unpack that when we talk about characters later because I got some, got some thoughts there. Um, I was very surprised that the 1976 version held up as well as it did, particularly for a lot of the visual elements. I know, Chris, you were talking about the cinematography. A lot of those shots, I was like, oh, wow, they really did this. And I was also surprised that Sissy Spacek was such a good carry. I don't know why I was surprised by this. She's sort of known for being very good in that role. And in the remake, I, like a few others, was also disappointed with Chloe Grace Moretz as Carrie. Uh, that was my main takeaway when I was rewatching the 2013 version. I was like, okay, I remember like three specific things that I really did not like about the performance. And those three things still remained during this time watching it. But I was comparing the two and I had a really obscure thought. So just stick with me. In the 90s, Judy Greer was in Jawbreaker, and she plays a character named Fern Mayo, who is giving you very much Sissy Spacek as Carrie energy. So then to see her come full circle and be the gym teacher in Carrie was very interesting to me. And I was like, oh, I got tickled by that. So that was a surprise. Of course, what was not surprising to me is how I didn't find either of these movies scary. They, for some reason in my mind, are kind of light on the horror. And I know they're they're horror films, but... I, I do feel like they are not necessarily entry level. This wouldn't be like the first one I would throw at somebody, but when they were ready for an iconic piece of horror that like didn't melt their brain too much, I'd be like, okay, now you have to watch Carrie. I'd go as far as to say that the 1976 version of Carrie is not a horror movie. It's like, I don't know, because there's some blood involved, maybe we could consider it horror, but really, in my opinion, mm-hmm. not horror. And the new one isn't scary either. It kind of falls in line with my my bag. It's it's more sci-fi to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, I definitely think some of the themes are scary. I don't know. The, the mom is pretty scary in uh, OG version. but <laughs> Pretty terrifying in my opinion. But it's weird because I, I, this movie scared me when I was younger. 
as a kid watching this at eight years old. But I don't find either of these scary. And you're right. I, I, I see the horror that it is, but I, I know it lacks the gore in essentially both of them, but we'll talk about that, but not scary at all. Yeah. See, I mean, here's the thing, right? It's, it's horror. Yeah. But it's also more about the horror of other people. And this is kind of like going back to it, right? Stephen King in his work, when he like writes in the town of like Derry, Maine, you know, that's a place where people are just the worst kind of people, uh, largely. And that's just what this feels like more of, right? And this is like really the first instance of it. I see the story of Carrie as more of a tragedy than anything. Yeah. But I, I, I don't pull it. I don't go that far as to pull it out of the horror category. I, I think the horror, though, is in relationships and how people are treated. But even then, nothing about this scares me. Yeah, I feel like everybody really nailed it. I, too, wouldn't really go as far as to pull the original out of the horror category, especially when it comes to like our final scenes. Yeah, I definitely wanted more gore and more horror. But I think, just like Chris said, it's really about the psychological horror of how people can behave with one another and how like deeply dark-sided that is. Yeah, and that's why I like Stephen King a lot. It's like a different it's a, it's a different take on scariness, you know. It's a different take on all of that. It makes you kind of like think a little bit more than you typically would. Hell is other people. Truly the 76 has that Stephen King just essential vibe to it in my book like it it feels like this is Stephen King's like WTF kind of feeling that you kind of get distilled into all of his other works um, where you have a little bit of sci-fi, have a little bit of horror. He like mixes it in, throws in some drama and some some interesting characters. And 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 to me, that makes it stand apart from other films. It's It does feel like original. We've seen telekinesis and other things. We've seen some of the themes in, in other films. You could obviously like the 2013, you could, you could go after because – simply because the 76 exists, but the 76 film, I mean, you could watch that today and use it as a film about bullying and, and, or film about school violence. You could use it for all sorts of themes. And it just like, I don't know, it, it, to me, it stands alone. Yeah. I think there are some themes and elements that um, make this familiar, but I, I don't know when I saw this and even seeing it now, it, it still is original to me. I like what the remake did, and I think it sets itself apart from the original. But, um, I mean, obviously, it's essentially the same thing. (laughs) I would go to say it's very different, though. Like, yes, the same sequence of events occurs. Yeah. Yes, there are more things from the novel that the remake pulls than the original did. Sure. It's all derived from the same source material. But the beauty of the remake for me is how original it is in its interpretation of those lines and that dialogue. Because the mother that we get in the remake is so vastly different from the mother that we get in the original. And even the approach to Carrie is super different. So I think this is an excellent example of two films who are doing the same thing, but in different ways. Yeah. So I felt satisfied by the approach of both. I was I was just going to say very much the same thing. These two movies are the epitome of same, same, but different. It's such a different take specifically to the mother and Carrie. It gives a completely different energy to this movie when you watch the remake. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I give them points for originality. There are definitely, I mean, there's things we've seen there, you know, those sci-fi elements that come into it. And of course, when we get to 2013, it feels very much, well, actually 70s and 2010s very popular amongst like high school kids in movies. Um, so, I mean, a lot of those things are familiar, but as I was watching both of these for the first time, they do feel original in specific ways. 
Yeah, watching the 1976 version made me feel like I was watching a blueprint of of, of sorts. Uh, it feels like this is, and I'm probably wrong about this, but it felt to me like this was probably one of the earliest uh, depictions of like the experience of an outcast that's like solely focused on that experience and then took it to such a degree that it did. Um, I feel like if we were in the seventies and we saw this in theaters and had no idea, like there were no trailers for it, we would have all left the theaters like what the absolute fuck did we just watch? Um, and that type of like, what the fuck moment, like never before seen kind of story. Uh, I feel like lands this in the original category. You saying the first depiction of an outcast is just like, like walking through a museum and there's just like someone sitting in the corner huddled up and you're like oh my god the first depiction <laughs> of an outcast it's the first nerd that's this movie it's it's it has a place in a museum the first depiction yes perhaps i will link an article that goes through all the uh examples of depictions of outcasts and outsiders in film it's like cave drawings but for lonely people none of which i've seen <laughs> let's talk about you know frankenstein's monster but no, you're you're right. I think it, it's it's a different take on that story in in a positive way. But ultimately, both of the endings here, right? It, it just left me with this feeling of being sad and not mad at it. I think I prefer the the ending of the the remake a little bit more. But it just has this bit of closure that I don't want to like. I am satisfied by it. I totally agree. Um, it's really weird because, you know, you remember like iconic scenes from this movie, especially one in particular. And for some reason, like I knew what happened in that scene and I thought that was the ending. Um, but watching it again, um, I was like, oh, wow, there's more to this. And it's crazy because I've seen it multiple times. It's been quite a number of years removed since I have seen it. But like, I, I don't remember that. So it's still a nice, shocking sort of like ending for me. Um, both of them were since essentially they were similar, different feelings from for sure, but um, essentially the same sequence of events that um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I actually kind of struggle with the endings here. I'm, not, I'm like not sure if I love or hate them because there's a lot that happens and there's a lot of different components to the endings here. I don't, I don't know. It's like, um, I guess it's one of those things kind of like you're saying, Chris, where it's like, you don't, you're not excited about it, but it's good. I, for one, am obsessed with the ending of every iteration of Carrie that I've seen. Um, it is so iconic for obvious reasons. Um, that being said, with that baseline being established, uh, I was surprised and a little disappointed by the way the ending um, was depicted in the original, mostly due to the lack of a lot of gore that I was expecting, or at least more gore. And yet, in some ways, I feel like the 2013 depiction of the ending was a little bit worse. That's a, that's an interesting take, I, I think, about better better or worse, because same, same, but different. I got to agree with Ryan on this. Like, they each had their own merits. I think the trouble I have with the ending is not the the climax that I think we're all thinking about. Because that's not truly the end of the film. I think the, the trouble I have is at the final moments of the film. And, and that's where I'm kind of a little bit let down. But like before the final moments, when we see the, the wrap up of most of the characters, like it's very satisfying, very satisfying. I think this is when you're watching a film, maybe it's about people driving and then you realize the film ends in a horrible train wreck and it's very interesting, like super awesome, just amazing blowing the top of your head out kind of kind of uh climax there but that the final moments were kind of weak to me well despite how uh weak those final moments might be in both movies 
they both ended differently than the novel did. So there's that, right? But let's go ahead and move on to our ratings. I think we have a lot to unpack here in terms of where each stands and, you know, the the things that we're going to have to discuss later in the episode. But before we get to the actual scores, Alexis, what's the body count for both films? We have a combined 86. Most of that is coming from the OG version in a certain scene where we get uh, a lot of deaths, which uh, account for 73 total what? yeah for uh 1976 and we have a total of 13 for 2013 lucky number 13 guys go play bingo right now that feels intentional what about the animal report yeah the animal report is a little interesting this week it uh there are some things that happen it's not dogs but you know if you're squeamish you know this might not be the one there are some there's some fairly violent activities involving animals. There are indeed, and, and may I say that moment was fairly jarring in both films. But let's go ahead and get out into our ratings. Carrie, start with the original, 1976. Was it a hack or a slash? The original for me is such a classic movie. Obviously, I saw it when I was eight years old. Um, so clearly it has some meaning behind it. And I think it has a lot of um nostalgia, like it does like the people under the stairs did for a lot of people. And I don't know, it's just like very iconic. And watching it again, I could appreciate it for a lot of its character development and just how good the acting is and how good the effects are like i was like oh wow like i I feel like i'm watching this i don't feel like i'm watching a movie i feel like it's actually like happening i have a lot to say but like to be like very simplistic i I just think it's a classic and i like it and i love it and i think it's worth a watch and multiple viewings so i'm definitely giving this a slash so i'm gonna balance that a little bit here and i think a hundred percent of my feelings about this movie result from me watching it for the first time in 2021. I just feel like it's so outdated that because I have no connection to it from before, I can't make a connection to it now. Like it, it feels like a lifetime movie to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) And I feel very harsh saying that because I respect the, the classic ability of it, you know, the beauty of it all. I get it. For me, this movie is just not one that I enjoyed. And I think it's a lot to do with the characters and the people. And I'm supposed to feel things, but there's like this extreme Christianity depicted in this movie that just feels like so over the top that it's it's a parody of itself, honestly. And so it just takes me out of this movie and it turns me off. And then you know, there's some other things that go on in it. Every step of the way, I was just like, yeah, it's not, it's one of those things. Well, again, not down my alley. So for me, the original is a hack and I can respect your slash, but also it's just not my vibe. The original was my vibe. And like Alexis, I think it's a classic and I think it's a horror icon and I think everyone should see it, especially if you claim to like horror movies. Now you may not like it, right? I don't think everyone's going to appreciate it the same way I do, but I think if you haven't seen this and you're a fan of our, like, you just got to do yourself a favor and throw it on right now. Like, before continuing, watch the movie. I don't know. Uh, this, this is how I feel. That's just how I feel about it. You know, it's like, if you like sci-fi and you like horror, or maybe you like sci-fi horror, I think you should watch Alien. It's, it's like that for this. So I, I think if you like horror, do yourself a favor, watch Carrie. It's a major slash for me. And it just, it stands alone. It feels kind of like Paris said earlier, like, a, a blueprint. 
So I have already established that I am really a fan of the story here, but for the 1976 version, my expectations were very low. I was like, this is going to be a lesser version of the story I love. Um, and I was very wrong. Watching this movie was so beautiful and enjoyable. The cinematography was just gorgeous from top to bottom. I wrote down so many different shots that I was like, stunning, well done, so thoughtful. So I was really impressed by that element. I was also really impressed with the performance from Sissy Spacek. Um, the characters in this story in general are really great characters. I feel like any actor or actress getting cast in Carrie has a really great opportunity to flex their chops. Um, and Ryan, kind of to what you were saying, as somebody who has many times been sort of preached to from people coming from a religious place about why me being just who I am and naturally myself was wrong in the eyes of like a God that they believed in. Um, I feel like this movie is absolutely gay culture and it is iconic. There's literally nothing gay about this movie, but the story is a parallel to a lot of people's gay experience, including mine. Um, so this is absolutely a slash. It was a really surprising slash for me because I expected this just to not be as good as I thought it would be. This is an interesting one because this movie is well-regarded for a lot of reasons. Sissy Space, I gave an absolutely incredible performance and I think it'd be really easy to look at her and be like, nope, that's the definitive carry. Like, I have no interest in viewing the made-for-TV movie because I don't know that I could believe for a second that that carry is better than Sissy Spacek. The split diopter shots in this are absolutely stunning. Paris, like he said, visually, this movie is a delight. Uh, The use of color in this film and some of De Palma's techniques create images that are just straight legendary. And I think it's a lot of like what Creepshow wanted to do with its color. It gave me a lot of Suspiria energy. And it's also just an incredible story at its core, despite how tragic it is. And it's a good movie. But despite that, this film doesn't age well in my eyes. And it shocks me to think that you, you guys do. I'm with Ryan on this. And I haven't seen it for the first time in 2021. I can understand why it was so incredible for its time. And, you know, I have respect for it. I definitely don't hate this the way that I like dislike the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This movie is totally different, right? But there are a number of issues I have that ultimately bring it down to a soft hack. The softage sack, right? Like, <gasps> largely due to the depiction of a girl's first period viewed through the male gaze. Don't need any of that trash. And that's what the movie starts with. So, no thanks. I don't hate it by any means, but there's a lot of great work in this. And I do think people should watch it. It just doesn't do it for me. Thank you for not leaving me on this island by myself. I am gagged. Well, you shouldn't be that surprised because the second you saw all that nudity and you saw the eroticism with which they viewed minors and a girl having her first period, you should have known I was checked out. There you go. But on the other hand, the remake, just like that 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, feels like a pound for pound better upgrade. Sure, Chloe Grace Moretz is not Sissy Spacek, but she was also a child when she made this film. So it made me so much more invested in Carrie. Carrie in the 1976 original, never felt to me like a young girl going through this struggle in high school. She felt like a grown-ass woman who was being treated cruelly. In this one, though, I felt the mother-daughter dynamic. I felt a different sort of like toxic, manipulative love between the two of them, which made me more invested in the story, and it made the story feel much more tragic. I felt like all all the characters were way more developed uh, I felt like the intentions of Sue and Tommy are much more clear in the in the remake. And for that, it's getting a slash. If I want to watch Carrie, this is the one I'm going to watch. 
Yeah, Chris, I like agree. I think the intentions are a little bit more clear for Tommy and Sue, but I think because I've seen the original, I was confused. I was like, well, wh- which one's right and which one's wrong? So I have to like take a step back and sometimes and not view this as a comparison on which, which one is better, but see this as a movie as a whole. And had I never seen the 1976 version, I would say this was an entertaining movie. Like I, I like those kind of, you know, high schoolers, but they are literally like 25 year olds, you know, and you know, I like that kind of stuff. And I don't know. It's still just, just like, I still could not get the idea of how much I like the original and just all the feelings I have behind it. But like, I thought it was okay. I think there are elements that were good about it, but not enough to like, I I mean, I saw it. I thought it was good. I don't know if I'd ever need to watch it again. I thought it was okay. So it's going to get a soft slash. Yeah. I I had to think about it because I was like, hacker slash. I'm still in the middle between the two. (laughs) She said the thing. She said the thing. She said the thing. (laughs) I said our podcast name. (laughs) So as somebody who really actually loved the made for tv version of this movie chris i do implore you to give it a watch i think the carrie performance in that is actually very solid um but i don't think the carrie performance in this is very good at all and this was so upsetting to me because i fell in love with chloe grace moretz when i saw her in kick-ass i was like this girl is a star on the rise anything she does i'll watch and that's still true to this day but i was so disappointed with the way she did carrie um she felt almost too pretty and too cool to be a convincing outcast or nerd it's like we get it her ears kind of stick out and they put her in like some really gross hair but yeah she wasn't selling it to me in a way and it felt like she was doing too much to to seem like somebody who's like uncomfortable in their own skin so just to be clear if someone is attractive they cannot be lonely or an outcast no just look at me of course that's not true (laughs) Uh uh-huh but i will say that this movie really made up for the carrie performance for me with julianne moore's performance of the mom this at the end of the day for me is a vehicle for julianne moore's incredible talents um she was giving you like full prestige actress in this from top to bottom everything about her was just that's the thing i remembered most about this movie i think visually in a lot of ways it's a little bit weaker for me than the original which which surprised me but i did really love the elevated elements of gore um so at the end of the day there's really nothing i wouldn't have given when I was young and closeted to have psychic powers that I could use to kill my bullies. Uh, so this is still getting a slash. And I think Carrie is probably going to remain in the top 10 of my favorite horror movies of all time. Really any version of Carrie fits in that spot. So I'm looking online right now and I see that you can buy a uh, copy of the the novel for like six bucks. And I think that that would be worth it over paying to rent um, to watch the 2013 movie. Oh, wow. If we want to get closer to the novel, just read the novel because I think we've already seen a film adaptation and having watched both of them back to back, I think the 76 is all you need. And I don't think you need the 2013. And it's not to say it's a bad film. It just feels a bit unnecessary because it's so darn close to the original. And I know they changed some stuff, obviously, and that's good. But I don't know if the value added works for me. And I, I think it's a hack simply because I just don't think it's necessary. Man. Very efficient of you, I guess. I'm going to bring us back full circle and, and go back to what Chris started with here. I feel like this remake is everything you needed and none of the stuff you didn't need from the original. I feel like if you want to know the story and don't want to read the book and want to watch a movie about it, 
I think you should watch the 2013 version. I'm completely on a different page from Mac here. I feel like this is the one that made the right decisions. This is the one that changed things slightly. For me, the same as Chris, the winner in this is the relationship between the mother and Carrie here. It's completely different the way they interact. It's so much more believable to me. And I won't say I'm like in love with Carrie and I totally knew this would be Paris's bag, 100%. It's not mine, but I will say this remake so much more enjoyable for me than the original version, and it gets a slash from me. And it's, you know, it's like a, you guys should watch this. It's not on my top 10, but you guys should watch this kind of slash. Not a bad slash. I truly sat down tonight thinking this was going to be universal slashes across the board. Mm, Yeah, no. There are... I think two major things, no, three major things from the original that had they not existed, the original would have easily been a slash. Even now, it's a soft hack. Now, obviously, we've had some mixed results here in terms of how we are viewing each version of this, but we also have a bonus score in for each film from one of our patrons. Hey, Hacker Slash team. Uh, So for me, I love Carrie. Carrie is one of my favorite horror movie franchises. I've seen the original, I've seen the remake, I've seen the made-for-TV movie, I've even seen the sequel, and I've read the book. So Carrie is my favorite story. When it comes to Hacker Slash for the original and the remake, I'm going to have to say Slash for both. The original is just unique in its own, own way with that 70s vibe, and Sissy Spacek as Carrie was just incredible. Um, but with the remake, uh, it added that, you know, 21st century feel as well with the cyberbullying and the mother was incredible in the remake. Yeah, I'm going to give Slash for both. This call comes from one of our patrons, Sal. And Sal, I'm so glad you called in um, because one, we are in agreement on these things first. Um, and two, I love that you mentioned the cyberbullying element of the remake because that's definitely a way they modernized it in a way that made sense to today's times. This does make me kind of want to read the book, though. And watch the made-for-TV uh, movie for this, too. Yeah, I feel like this is, you're one of those people that is in love with this franchise, and I feel guilty when I when I hack a classic like this, because I feel like, you know, now you're going to hate me, you know? You should feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. It, it is of no offense. Yeah, I feel no guilt whatsoever. I feel like I've defended enough classics in my time, and uh, this is for someone... It's for Sal, and it's not for me. Yeah, and I've hacked enough classics in my day that this one doesn't stand out. (laughs) For now, the original 1976 Carrie has earned three slashes and two hacks, while its remake has just done slightly better, earning four slashes and one hack. Now, one of those slashes is soft, as is one of those hacks, but the facts are the facts. The remake has edged out so far, so check both of these movies out. You can find them streaming online and available to rent. Uh, And join us in the second half so we can really get down to business. See you in a bit. Well, hey there, parents. Are you having a hard time finding the right words to explain your child's body to your child? Do you miss the simpler times of teaching colors and shapes when you were still homeschooling? Don't let your tween or teen learn about their change in anatomical landscape from TikTok. You need a copy of Anatomy and Physiology for Sheltered Kids. 
whether it's voice changes, a special monthly guest, or funny feelings down below when watching animated vegetables, Anatomy and Physiology for Sheltered Kids provides all the family-friendly information you'd approve of your kiddos learning about. Questions about birds, bees, sticks, and beans? Give those little tykes sentence-long explanations with full-color pictures. The Sheltered Kids series of textbooks for parents who wish their 17-year-olds were still 7, but want to avoid explosive bouts of teenage rage. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Carrie. The 1976 original has earned three slashes and two hacks, while its remake has earned four slashes and one hack. We have a lot to unpack here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, we have the matter of gore to attend to. Alexis, what's the gore score for this movie? Gore score definitely for a 76 version is low, if not non-existent. I think the most blood you see is in the iconic <laughs> scene. Exactly. It's, it's literally just one bucket. It's, it's just a bucket. For the 2013, I mean, although there was more gore and there were some like brutal deaths, you know, there's like a head going through a window and stuff like that. I still think it's a medium, in my opinion. Nothing was just like off the wall crazy or anything like that. So yeah, that is the gore score for both of them. I feel like we can't downplay the full-on crucifixion of the mom in the original. That was gory as hell. Maybe there wasn't as much blood as we would have liked, but that was brutal. It was like violent, but not gory. Okay. I mean, the the wires attached to the knives really uh, didn't do much for me. Oh, I didn't see them. Yeah, Chris, for that scene, those knives actually were started off in Margaret White's body. And then they were being pulled at the end by the string. So what you see in the edited scene is actually the footage being played backwards. Ooh, interesting. We love a, a reverse effect, you know? Yeah, I, practical effects are awesome. They they really are. Very phantasm. With them having a crap ton of deaths, especially in the first one, uh, you know, lots of deaths in that final scene in prom. Um, I'd like to know, in the OG version, what was y'all's favorite death? That one's easy for me. It's Billy Nolan. Because that car explosion was so much better than the 2013. It was just like really quick and really satisfying. And seeing that grease ball blow up was amazing. I'm going to note here, I have a very similar kill for both that I really enjoyed. And it is a party goer. I don't know exactly who it is. And it's it's some uh, like a decoration or something flies down and they go for like a, a half body chop. It, you know, it could easily get lost in the mess of kills during the prom scene. But we love a good mid slice, you know, not a hot dog slice, but a hamburger slice. So that was my favorite kill. I loved the mom kill in the original i don't remember it for some reason so when it was happening i was like oh shit i remember the mom stabbing carrie but i didn't remember like the full-on psychic knife onslaught that occurs and then the parallel visually of the mom's crucifixion and the the placing of the knives matching the the jesus that carrie had in her little harry potter under the stairs nook was so like cinematic parallel beautiful to me that I was like, oh, this was very satisfying. And also, I mean, the way they did the music. So you have like a really strong use of piano through this scene in a way that almost creates a juxtaposition to like the extreme violence that you're seeing. And then you have like stark silence again, as you see this like really brutal murdering of the mom. And right as she's killed, the piano cues back in in full force. And I was just like, oh, it felt like a, it felt like a cinematic masterpiece to behold. Strong use of piano. Such strong use of piano and apparently strong use of wire. Industrial strength fishing wire there. So 
the entire scene where the mom meets her demise is a pretty solid one. But I think for my favorite kill, it's going to be really silly. It's a Mr. Fromm and the mic stand and light board uh, electrocution. Amongst all the chaos that was going on in that prom scene, to actually see them get electrocuted, I don't know why it made me laugh a little bit. But I do also want to give a negative amount of points to both of those movies for the lamest kill being Tommy hitting the head with a fucking bucket. <laughs> There's no way anyone could ever convince me that this pail is enough to kill someone from that height. And it's empty. It's not even full. Yeah, it was very interesting, that prom scene from the 76 version that like everyone died instantly i was like okay i'm trying to keep count yeah but did they die are they knocked out essentially they were counted as deaths but still i was like this seems so interesting in my head tommy lived every time like it didn't (laughs) make sense except for the fire yeah even if they weren't killed right away they were they're dead yes that i thought tommy was just knocked out cold and then didn't escape the rest of the mayhem as a result i don't know if the bucket was the cause of death was it Mm, apparently because their eyes were open well it's funny it's funny either way to me because it's so it's such a dud. Yeah. According to the coroner, actual cause of death, the bucket. <laughs> yeah. My, the saddest death for me was um, Miss Collins. Like, I don't know. It was just like, I know she was rooting for, you know, Carrie and in some sort of way. But I was just like, man, like she's going out like that. But I also appreciate the mom's death. Um, one, it's cool. Two, I don't, I, that was the scene that I said, um, before the spoiler break that I didn't remember. I just thought the ending was when Carrie gets the blood pour, poured on her and then essentially chaos. I forgot that that part was in. So I thought it was pretty cool to get that when I wasn't expecting it. For the remake, um, you know, it starts off with a lot of gore, which is crazy too. So like you have this like birth of Carrie. Holy yikes. Never having a kid from seeing that. <laughs> this is like the best depiction of a birth though. Have you, were you not forced to watch the miracle of life? No, no, but I did see my stepmom give birth. I mean, not yeah. it, someone recorded it and then I watched it and I was like, Oof. yeah, I'm good. So. I had to watch The Miracle of Life in high school, which is really graphic. They, like, get all up in there. Then I watched my nephew Nicholas be born coming out. And then uh, I helped deliver a baby when I was supposed to be photographing the labor. And they were short-staffed on nurses. So uh, this movie actually handled the birth scene pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it was bloody and probably very accurate. I completely agree. My favorite kill, though, is um, the guy that's uh, cracked in half by the bleachers because that <sighs> shit always scares me when I was yes. in school dances and stuff. I was like, I'm going to get trapped under these somehow. That's my favorite. Oh, was it? That's the one that I think they like paralleled because uh, there was a body chop in the first and i think that's what they used this one for that's what they were inspired by but that bleacher kill was so good yeah and it's very unique you, i i say with all the movies we have reviewed i've never seen a bleacher death before yeah. and she like opened them and then shot them oh, mm-hmm. so good yeah that was my favorite too only because when you saw them running up the bleachers you knew what was going to happen because you were always worried about it in high school like worrying about bleachers closing in and breaking your legs or something. So true. I think my favorite death was actually Chris. I preferred her death mm. uh, in this movie. I liked it the way it was drawn out. The face stuck in the windshield. Just enough force to like get her out of there in slow motion and then just be stuck there and then watch the life leave her eyes before the cars like plunge into the gas station. Satisfying on all counts. Also, just like an honorable mention here, but Billy's face busting into the 
steering wheel. Oh, it was so good. And also, are all D-bags named Billy? I don't know. Many. Yeah, a bunch. Basically, all the movies involving teenagers have a D-bag named Billy. Yeah, but not all Billies are D-bags. Yes, exactly. Not all Billies, but all all D-bags. His nose getting busted on that steering wheel, though? Intense and disgusting. I just imagine that the bone just went straight into the brain. Ugh. Yeah, that was very nice to behold. It was a solid use of slow-mo for sure. Um, my favorite death for the remake, though, it's going to be Carrie's death. Um, partially because it was so long in the making, like the opening scene, the visual of like almost stabbing an infant with scissors to me was like such intense gore for some reason, even though like nobody actually got stabbed or anything, but just like seeing that proximity of those two things, I was like, no, that scissors should not be that close to that newborn, get it away. Um, so to see like the mom finally see it through and like kill Carrie in the end, I felt like that was more satisfying to me than it was in the original. Did you, were you satisfied by her stabbing? By the mother, or were you satisfied on like the whole house coming up and down on top of her? The stabbing part. The whole house, honestly, doesn't really do it for me. I know it's like how the Carrie movies end, but the house, I don't really give a shit about. In the original one, the house literally melts like an ice cube. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is House of Wax vibes. Yeah, so much so. I literally wrote in my notes, do houses melt? Because they don't. They definitely don't. <laughs> they just lighten the fuck up. See, I like the house coming down, though, because you have the stones, right? The stonings of the witch. Oh, is that what it wow, was? Wow, I didn't think that deep in. I like okay. that. It's actually So it's actually also from the novel. They had planned to film for the original film, and then they just took it out because they couldn't get it right. So in the made-for-TV version that I keep mentioning, um, it ends up being like a meteor shower that takes the house out and causes it to get swallowed up by hell. But it's also like a result of like Carrie's immense power and the, the emotions that she's feeling. So she like fully causes an astronomical event. I'm not going to lie. The more you describe the made for TV version, the less I want to watch it. Oh really? The more (laughs) I wanted to watch it. So funny. Well, seeing as a lot of the kills um, from the OG version come from the prom scene, I have some really cool facts I like I want to share with you guys. Yes, please. So Norma, who is played by PJ Souls, uh, when the fire hose kills her, um, the water pressure actually bursted her eardrums. So when you see her um, in that scene kind of fall, it kind of looks like she fell, obviously, due to that impact and then her being unconscious. But in all actuality, she was like in terrible pain and lost her ability to like maintain equilibrium. So she fell over. Jesus. That sounds totally painful. Brian De Palma decided uh, to keep that shot in, you know, and honestly, PJ could not hear for um, or was having ear issues for about six months after that. So, you know, she did apply for um, workers comp and it was approved. Nice. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know about that last part. She couldn't. <laughs> she had some hearing issues though for six months on that. You know, it's amazing. The more I like read and do some research on this, it's crazy the amount of misery misery <laughs> actors are put in, especially like in the 70s. Yeah. It, it all seems a little questionable. Yeah. When like stunt coordinators were half drunk the whole time and our little coal miner's daughter um so obviously iconic prom scene um where the blood is spilled on her um sissy spacex trailer is actually parked behind um where that was filmed so after being covered in the flake blood for continuity purposes she actually refused to take off the um clothes and everything so she kept on the clothes for filming which um took about three days for that (sighs) interesting right i mean that's kind of something i feel like i'd do 
I kind of do that already with my clothes. And still not as bad as Gunnar Hansen in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was just going to say, imagine this is directed by the same people as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it would be real pig's blood. You know what I mean? And she'd be in it for like three days. Mm, The smell. Okay. So also want to talk about this iconic scene. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. It's known for a lot of things. So, and obviously way gorier version in our 2013 version. So Kimberly Pierce stated that there was about a thousand gallons of fake blood used in, um, in that scene with about 50 tests, hair and makeup for, uh, Chloe. I absolutely believe that, which I thought was crazy. Just the, the prom scene. Yes. Just for that. Yeah. And she said in an interview, she worked in the blood for about three months. So she was in this every day. Yeah. It's kind of cool though to know, like, I don't know. That's just my opinion. It's a lot of fake blood. It's a lot of fake blood. It's a lot of days being in blood. And you know what? I, I just love the scene though. The, the, richness of that is pretty cool a lot of periods in the remake they definitely got like the perfect blood splatter like nailing her head with it um and the way it like spread out i was like i almost thought it was cgi but hearing that they did it over and over again until they got that one makes more sense they showed it to us from so many different angles that i could tell they were clearly proud of the testing they had done to make sure they got the right splash (laughs) they're like they were prepared to capture it we gonna do this real good let me show it to you a few times did any of you notice um, Chloe's like reaction? I was not looking at uh, her face, I'll be honest. Oh, okay. I was looking at the blood splattering all over her head. Looking at the bucket, the blood falling out. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Well, um, honestly, when they were uh, filming this, they ended up not telling her when it was actually going to be poured. So essentially what you see is something super authentic because she that was her own reaction to that scene. I believe that. It almost has to be that way, you know? Otherwise, you'd definitely be like preparing yourself to be have blood poured yeah. on you Ugh. it's like getting the nickelodeon slime but red but red i, I like that I, I love the different comparisons that we can make between the two movies and clearly a lot of cgi was done on the 2013 version but still you still have some common um practical effects that were used which i appreciate so don't we, sp- we spend a lot of time talking about that prom scene i actually think you know we have the blood on carrie we have you know the drama of her uh, you know, looking very stoic, looking very pointedly everywhere. And obviously it's a very beautiful scene. I think one of my favorite elements though, right, is how they use lighting during the prom scene, specifically when everyone's trying to flee and you have the blue and red lights. Uh, it felt very, very creep show. Mm. My favorite visual part of the 76 film was actually Carrie's whole getup, the attire the makeup or lack thereof just felt real to the character. It really felt like they were sheltered. And in 2013, it's not Carrie, but it's Carrie's mom. That self mutilation and flagellation going on during the film was my favorite thing. I mean, it's gross to look at, but it it was so real. And it just, you could see the pain in her face when she's like scratching into her leg with that, that tool. And it just really brought that, that pain to the surface. We could see that like she had to do this to herself in her brain. Yeah. That moment. Oh, the cringe, the cringe that it gave me that just, just a straight dig into your own leg. Oh, for me, my favorite visual element, especially from the original is Carrie soaked in blood, walking up to her house saying mama. It is like such a beautifully lit moment. Uh, and she's just, 
you know, she's disgusting. It feels disgusting. It kind of sounds disgusting. She's like juicy. And just the way she's walking up her steps into her home, such a lovely, lovely shot. She juicy though. <laughs> she really was. I never noticed this watching the original a few times, um, but I really was enthralled. I think that would be a good word to say it was like, or just captivated kind of by the, um, I guess, Chris, you might know the technical term, but it's when you have like a character in the foreground and then one in the background. And it's kind of like this duality between the two, essentially yeah. like the scene when Tommy's in the front of the class and Carrie's in the background. Yeah, that's a split diopter lens. Okay, yeah. It allows you to focus on two, two uh, points. And I don't know what the meaning would have been behind that or what, like, but I just love that scene. And there's, it, they, she did it in the gym class too with the teacher. And I was just like, oh, wow, like, this is really interesting to get two, two polar, essentially polar opposite, like, characters in the same sort of context. And it was just something I hadn't really seen before or I've seen done, but not that well. Usually one's a little bit blurrier or one, like, I'm focusing on, but in this situation, I could, essentially see both at the same time you uh did see it in the perfection which i know you didn't like that movie but you know it's okay i forgot about that movie i thought it was done better (laughs) in that movie actually this movie like it was cool and it's really really good but i think it's uh it looks even better now so i'm not gonna lie i always thought that was a technique where they shot it twice and then like cut and paste the actual film together so i did not know that lens existed that's very cool (laughs) um i'm gonna try to not say that the the best visual element is the final scene because it's obviously so already been said. Um, but I'm going to give it to the cinematography overall in the original. Um, specifically, two scenes really stood out to me. One of them was the just the camera choices they used when they filmed the girls in their like detention workout montage. I thought that was so fun and so well done in a way that like made these girls seem like they were so tired and annoyed and just like really miserable in this like boot camp thing. But it was also kind of like a little bit like almost like hijinksy, like with the music and the the panning across all the different girls, like trying and failing to do their thousandth sit up or whatever. Um, but my favorite use of cinematography in this actually comes from the locker room introduction scene during the opening credits. And I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, gorgeous locker room intro, slow motion is sensual and beautiful, but doesn't feel sexual or exploitative. Is that just because I'm gay? Question mark. Yes. yes. That's what I figured. It absolutely is. I was like, wow, it's so beautiful and it's not sexual in any way. And I was like, maybe it's just not sexual to me in any way. Yeah, no, that felt so overtly gross and unnecessary. It's just, it lingered where it didn't need to linger. But every shot should be a gif on Tumblr. Uh, it was it was the close-up and the eroticism of watching her shower. And like, here's the thing, you put this romantic music music on it it doesn't just make it artistic that's the intent it's like oh look at this it's so dreamy it's so beautiful look at the female form but it's like dude okay in your story these are minors these are high school this is these are children one girl's about to have her first period why are we looking at this it's unnecessary you can absolutely show locker room antics right and people decompressing from a gym class without full frontal nudity and the slow motion lingering on it but I'm glad you didn't find it that way. <laughs> Definitely just went in through my gay brain and did not come out any other way. So it's actually funny that you mentioned that opening scene because I think that is actually an example of where I just am not a fan really of the excessive way slow motion was used in the original. The original, like that opening scene was was one of the things that I could have done without. 
But then the use of slow motion in the prom scene, like at one point when, you know, Carrie wins and she is, you know, everybody's taking the moment and you're seeing different people react and you're seeing the realization for Sue and all that stuff. It's cool. It has a purpose, but sometimes it just lingers where it doesn't need to linger. And I think the use of slow motion or rather the lack of use of slow motion and the restraint they showed in the remake was my favorite aspect of the cinematography in that one. Like we get it a couple times at the prom. We get it when Chris flies out through the windshield and Billy head, Billy's head hits the steering wheel. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I have to totally agree with you there. I won't say it's my visual element, but the difference of how slow motion is used from old to new is absolutely a significant thing as far as how I feel about these movies individually. It is a big, big difference. For me, I'm... I hate to be this person. Uh, my favorite visual element is actually the same scene in the remake of Carrie walking up bloody into her house. It's, I don't know it's why good. this just like stood out to me so much, so much so that they redid it and redid it well. And so for me, it's both the same. I like how the house in the 2013 version stayed true to the original house. Like I didn't see anything different. And I love, like, yep, I'm a fan of Harry Potter. Love the little cubby underneath the stairs. Also wanted one when I was a kid so bad because that's where everyone would have their little like hideouts and stuff. You know, Harry Potter didn't like that, right? <laughs> yeah, and nor did Carrie. So <laughs> but this is before Harry Potter. <laughs> no one that has it does. It just seemed like a fun place to like put my Barbies. Carrie Potter. But yeah, I, I love it. I love the, even just the little details of the, like the crosses on the wall. It, you get a lot of information even though you already knew a lot, but through the scene and all the props and everything, I feel like you get a sense of, you know, who Margaret White is and just the kind of person um, she's raised Carrie to be as well. Honestly, I felt like when I had seen the 2013 version, I felt like the visuals were all so great. But then after seeing the original, I was like, wow, it kind of shit on the remake as far as visuals go. Um, so much so that I don't have many things in my notes about the visuals but i feel like a couple things that they did in both movies were not done nearly as well in the remake specifically the visual of carrie floating her way out of the school i did not need at all yeah. i much preferred like ryan said like her slowly walking just kind of like trembling in in shock but like the floating out i was like no why did we do that that does not look it was a bit much yeah and then i feel like the same scene that I loved in the original with the gym detention, they didn't even try to do anything creative with how they filmed that in the remake. It was just like, this is an eye level shot of some girls at a, a gym detention. And oh, it felt on. like a missed opportunity. They all cut their shirts to customize them to fit their body best. That was obviously the most interesting part of that scene. <laughs> they all were wearing a yellow shirt, but it was all cut differently. You know, one yeah, had nice like boobs. This. You I know, like the style. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important, you know? It definitely didn't exist in real life because you could never change your shirts in gym class. But in this movie, they, that's that was the important part there. They all look different. I didn't even notice that, which is rare for me. Honestly, surprising, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's actually something that the remake did way better visually that, uh, you know, for for as much glory as you all have given the, the original, one thing that I'm so happy they got rid of was the excessive, unrealistic amount of candles that were lit when Carrie got home. But here's the thing. It adds to the ambiance. Okay, we get it in the re in the remake with the birth scene. And I'm not mad at the fact of like the presence of candles. Here is where it lost me. When 
Carrie in the original is flying down the stairs and doesn't knock down a single fucking one. So true. <laughs> so true. true. So glad that was completely extracted uh, from that scene in the remake because then it made logical sense. It was just such a fire hazard. Like the the dress and everything, walking up the steps, the candles, such a fire hazard. And you know what? If there was a consequence, it would have been fine. But there was zero consequence. She literally flew over the candle. She flew over the candle and it didn't even blow in the wind. See, I literally wrote in my notes, wow, the mom's only going to put out four candles for the final scene in the remake. Um, because the consequence was everybody looked better in candlelight. So the explanation is, of course, she's telekinetic. So nothing really matters in the end because she could just control it all with her mind. <laughs> and this is an X-Men movie. Well, the, the 2013 is definitely an X-Men movie because... The hand movements, did we need the hand thing? Did we need the whole modern telekinetic, like, control things with your arms outstretched? I hated that. It was so on the nose. It was horrible. I I would like to bring a different perspective here. I hate the Stephen King look, okay? Mm -hmm. In in all the things that Stephen King does, people just look at you, and then you die. (laughs) And, and like, crazy stuff happens from a look, and I hate it. I prefer the ridiculous stick your hands out as if you're doing something you know little magic hands i'll take that because the look Mm. i've just walked around for the past two days looking at people especially my roommate and giving her the look and maybe she'll die one of those times i don't know (laughs) probably not wow (laughs) i was not mad at the little force choke to save the gym teacher in in the uh, remake i wasn't mad at it but i will say the facial reactions combined with the hand gestures were the only 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 gripe i had with chloe's performance is carrie literally the only thing just that one thing looked a little bit weird but even that didn't do enough to make me hate the movie yeah she's controlling people with her mind she can make a funny face i always imagine when people have telekinetic powers that they have to do like a lot of muscle straining when they're doing it you know like their like arms are tensed up or something or they have to like clench their butt cheeks every time that they have to lift something up. <laughs> it, it seems like it would be strenuous. When they were when we were watching this in the 2013 version especially since she like used her hands uh, and there was a lot more of like the practicing of the telekinesis. I was like is this exhausting? What muscles does this use? Like, what does she do in her brain? Does she have to just think that book is going to pick up off the table? Does she have to, like, imagine it picking up off the table? Like, what is the exhaustion, really? So there are for sure uh, some some deviations in, like, the, the approach to Carrie's telekinetic powers. I do agree with you, Ryan. The look is a little bit weird. I think Sissy Spacek pulls it off, but I think she did it well, and I don't think we need that again. I'm all for a different interpretation and different approach to like demonstrating it. I think the one cool thing about you know the look that she gave, particularly with just with her and her eyes, it felt very comic book strip, right? Like I could just see the animated version of this like up close up on the eyes, and that would be stunning. So true. I have some some things here about some scenes, but before we get into the favorites, I do have two scenes that I just really wanted to remove from the original to make it a slash. And that was one, the guys trying on tuxes and then talking trash, and then all of a sudden the 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 movie speeds up and they talk like chipmunks. That was dumb. Oh yeah. Uh, and I don't often just say things that are dumb on the podcast. Like it takes a lot for me to feel that way, particularly meaningless and hollow. And then the second was the real weird blowjob uh, that John Travolta got to convince him to help out. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. So big question there. How did she speak 
clearly talent. That's the thing. If it was just a blowjob, okay, fine. But it clearly wasn't. You guys don't have skills or uh, (laughs) know about any skills. Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't know. I text Chris and called her the blowjob blonde because I was just like, what is this? Like, what is happening during this? I hate it. But in all actuality, though, the sounds in that scene really threw me off. John Travolta's performance in that scene was weird because it's just like, look, man, like I can hear her speaking to you. There's no way she's touching you in a way that makes you this distracted. Also the casual abuse. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Just a trash character all around. And you know what? We said it before. The beta version of Danny Zuko, and this is why Grease 2 is better than Grease. Chris will die on this hill. I absolutely will. The only hill I'm willing to die on. (laughs) I've never even been on that hill. Well, speaking of other scenes in the film, in in the 76 version, uh, Sue at the prom, figuring out that something's afoot, tracking it down, following the rope all the way down, opening the curtain while the teacher's pulling her away. That was my favorite scene of 76. We are very in sync tonight, Mac. How are we in sync? That is also one of my favorite scenes from the 1976 version. You know, I like how you're like kind of, she's playing Nancy Drew a little bit and going through these things and it's essentially really quiet. And then when, I mean, I feel like you're just waiting for it to happen and I love the buildup for it. And then when it pours, it's still quiet. And I just love that focus that it's on all of that. And I mean, I, I love the, what, where we end up with is an iconic scene, but I've preached about how much I like that scene a lot. I think what makes it great for me is that it's inevitable is because we're, we're watching her trying to stop this, but we know that she's not going to stop it. Yeah, it has to happen. Well, it doesn't have to happen, but you know the movie, you know it's going to happen. Exactly. I hated that scene completely because it was in slow motion for 20 minutes. Um, and, and I was so tired of watching somebody walk around and see what was going to happen and shoot like the gaze upwards and seeing the bucket and then watching the rope. I was just like, all right, dude, we get the point. But I'm so glad you guys enjoyed it. For me, my favorite scene from the original is Carrie standing in front of the car, like literally the creepiest thing you'll ever see in your life when you're driving down the road. And that is one of the moments of horror for this film for me. And it's like, you know, what's going to happen. You know, she's going to go get them. She's already hunted down everybody else basically, but it was so creepy and exciting, you know, a little creepy, but great. Well, I agree with that. That was absolutely my favorite scene as well. And I think you hit the nail right on the head. Stephen King knows how to write a good car scene. <laughs> yes, he does. And make it real spooky. This one's going to be super basic and obvious, but my favorite scene is when Carrie gets the bucket of blood dropped on her head. Nothing is more impactful than that in this movie. That's what everybody remembers. That's what everybody takes away. Um, and it's such a heartbreaking scene at the same time because you have this girl who's like really finally feeling like she's accepted among her peers she's fitting in and in a lot of ways she actually is because very few people are actually in on this joke and actually out to get her and then to see that trust that she's starting to build for the first time in like humanity as a whole just absolutely shattered and destroyed and sent her spiraling into um, rage and madness was just like so emotionally devastating as well as visually um breathtaking so that's easily favorite scene yeah oh that's a good one and i think I do particularly enjoy that scene in the original because of how it plays with Carrie's hallucinations and just playing back that line from her mom in her head. They're all laughing at you. They're all laughing at you. Mm -hmm. She sees the gym teacher laughing when in all actuality she's not laughing at her. And it just exacerbates the whole situation, which I actually really enjoy 
that the remake didn't do the same thing. You know what I mean? I love that this fell down on her. Everybody's just broken for a moment. Just like, what the hell? What's going on? You have people in the crowd who clearly are not enjoying this. And then they, you know, introduce the cyberbullying. You have that video being played. Some people are laughing. Some people aren't. And I love the difference in the carries where the 2013 remake in, in, you know, in that scene, she has a targeted approach. She's done. She's sick of this shit. Whereas I felt like in the original, in that scene, she was more like reactionary. I can't control this anymore. I'm humiliated. My mother was right. And I have to just get out of here and protect myself. So yeah, that was my favorite in the remake. In the remake, I really appreciated um, the last scene where there's this like cat and mouse between Carrie and her mom. Um, like this chase scene, like it was, it was awesome because, you know, she's on the steps and she hears the creaking. We can see the mom's shadow in the back, but she can't. And so I, I wasn't necessarily knowing what was going to happen, but I just love the interaction between the two. Cause you see this duality and you see like Carrie essentially like able to defend herself finally and has enough, you know, balls to do it. And I appreciate that because her mom's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but in all actuality, it was just like, I didn't have that sort of vibe in the, um, original. And I kind of like that suspense that it built, um, at the end. I totally agree. And actually kind of relates to my favorite scene, which is Carrie coming home from school and is having a completely different, why didn't you tell me conversation than she had in the original. Whereas I feel like Carrie in this one was like an actual human who was like, Hey dude, like, you could have told me about this. Yeah, would have been nice to know. It would have been real nice to know. I'm just going to start bleeding one day. And then when her mom gets all crazy with the like, you know, Adam and Eve sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And saying like, you know, you sinned like, because it was very accusatory. She was like, nah, dude, you sinned. That was on you. And I like, I'm, I'm literally just trying to exist. Like you didn't tell me I'm going to bleed. I thought I was dying. And it was so much more of a real conversation and a person growing up and learning to stand up for themselves and realizing that their mom is not taking care of them the way that they should versus when the conversation happens in the original it's just like is this a human person that understands anything and also from both perspectives honestly like carrie is like not a human that can stand up for herself in any way shape or form and the mom is not a person that can talk to another human in any way shape or form so i was really really happy with the improvements that were made in the 2013 version and that scene was like yes thank you for standing up here this this means a lot mm -hmm. my favorite scene in 2013 is also related to Margaret white and that's when the other mother's like picking up her daughter's dress from her with the alterations or maybe she was making the dress i, I can't remember but um and she's just like suffering the entire time listening to her speak because in her mind she's thinking about carrie and thinking how like carrie's sinful and doing all these horrible things by going to the prom and just like listening to this other mother like forces her to start destroying her own body and digging the tool into her leg and you could just see like in her eyes the conversation itself was too much for her because the judgment in her brain was so fired up there's like no uh what do you call it when you just say things to be nice? There was no like niceties about it. She was not going to be like, oh, thanks for coming by or like, thanks so much. Or like, I'm glad you enjoy my work. It was like, these are godless times. Imagine that's the only thing you say back to somebody after they say, thanks, your work is amazing. These are godless times. 
Yeah, you get a really shitty Yelp review. <laughs> um, excellent taste, Mac. Excellent addition there, Ryan. That is absolutely my favorite scene as well for all of the reasons you mentioned. Um, I actually sometimes do this myself. Obviously not to this extreme where I'm digging a seam ripper into my thigh. Oh, is this how you pray? <laughs> no, but sometimes when I'm at work with customers and I just like really do not want to be having this conversation, I'll realize that I'm like digging some kind of tool like into my hand or like like digging my nails into my hand to kind of distract from how much I want the conversation to end. Um, obviously, the, the motives behind this are completely different because I'm not in that frame of mind. But I was like, you know, I can kind of relate in some ways. But really, any scene that has Julianne Moore in it is my favorite scene from the remake. And that's just such a testament to how well she played that character. No, you're absolutely right, Paris. And I think her approach to that character is actually like the best difference for that 2013 remake. As much as I love, you know, Chloe's take on Carrie, Julianne Moore slayed this movie. Margaret in the, in the first film is obviously not inconsequential. But she's no one that I cared about. She's like, okay, well, she's just like this background shitty person who's terrible to carry. And whenever she goes, she goes. And while I didn't emotionally invest myself in the well-being of Julianne Moore's portrayal, it was very much like being able to see that there is some sort of love as twisted and dark as it is. And it made for a way more interesting dynamic, right? Like that beginning scene with the birth, seeing how she wants to kill this infant and then stops herself. You know, looking at how she's physically hurting herself to atone for her sin. It's it's really twisted. It's really demented. But it added a depth to this character that I just did not get at all from the original. I agree. I feel like in the original, the mother is like a caricature. It's it's like such a horror trope, yeah. Psycho, super religious person, you know. It just like so much so that it just like turned me off, and I was just like, "All right, I get it. Like you're crazy, cool. Let's move on. I don't care." See, I like the mom. Interesting enough, I mean, I do get a sense of she's quite comical at some points, and by no means do I think they did that intentionally. I think it was just. I'm used to my mom brushing my hair. If I say something wrong, she's taking the back of that brush and smacking me across the face. Never got hit with the Bible, though, I have to say. But I'm sure it would have been in her repertoire. Like, <laughs> for sure. But, you know, the one-liner she's saying, you know, pimples are God's way of chastising you. And I was like, yikes. Like, <laughs> she was like a the worst person. And I think, like to get this polar opposite of her and Carrie and you have this antagonist protagonist sort of like conflict. I think that I, I liked that about her and I thought she delivered very well. Her like explanations for normal human things, absolutely yes. chaotic. Like what are you talking about? But I about? like that about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it gave her something. Honestly, I feel like because the original made like the, the woman that played the mom in the original made such big choices that it did come off as like Ryan was saying, just like a caricature. Um, but the character itself, I feel like is such a great role that any actress would love to have um, specifically because of a lot of the lines. But I think the way Julianne Moore did it was so serious and authentic in a way that looped back around into being a little bit camp for me, especially with the way Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, portrayed a very like normal response to somebody being absolutely insane. Um, and I'm not convinced that this wasn't a little bit intentional. Um, especially when it comes to certain lines, like, um, like Chloe's just like trying to have a normal conversation with her mom and her mom's like, 
I thought you were a cancer. I thought he gave me cancer. Like when she was pregnant with her. And I'm like, that's an insane thing to say to your child. And for Chloe to kind of just like shrug it off is in a way comedic. That actually is part of Kimberly Pierce's like intent. She wanted to go back to the original novel and pull a little bit of humor that King had worked in. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. As a side note, to to have such chaotic explanations for every single thing, like to the point where you have an explanation for pimples, but then to think that you can ba- explain a baby with cancer, which is not biblical it just doesn't make sense like is this a cancer like what do you mean is this a cancer no it's a baby you had sex ma'am hello i have two more favorite lines from carrie's mom these actually come from the original one of them is i should have killed myself after the first time he put it in me just so extreme such an insane thing to say actually i feel like i've said something like that before i know but then at the same time a little bit relatable and then one that i've actually quoted ever since i heard it for the first time specifically if a friend is wearing something really ugly is take off that dress we'll burn it together and pray for forgiveness i like that i like that of course you would it's just it, it's such it takes it to the nth degree that i'm just like this is brilliant this is incredible i love it can i throw out a character that surprised me um in i guess more so in the 76 version but tommy so when Tommy is, you know, first like playing along with the idea of taking care, it's like, why would I do that? This is ridiculous. But anything for you, babe. Sure, I'll, I'll help out. But when they're actually at the prom, he's like enjoying the conversation and getting into it. And that surprised me because I think most horror movies today, if they would, if they were written with that type of character, that type of setup of like fake bringing somebody to prom, he would have been like a horrible jerk the whole time to her. And it was in in both films like really great to see the idea of like. I'm just going to enjoy myself and enjoy the conversation. We connected over poetry, so there's nothing wrong with this. Yeah, Tommy confuses me. Even knowing what the intent is behind Tommy and Sue, I found their motives to be unclear in the original. But not in an entertaining, mysterious, like, will they or won't they fuck her over? It, It didn't feel like that. It felt like just poor explanation. Just confusing. Yeah. Tommy, in the original, he's resistant to it. He goes along with it. Then he's having a good time. Then he kisses her. Why are you kissing her? Like, you clearly have a good thing going with Sue. I don't think Sue wants you to be kissing her. She just wants you to show her a good time. That's why I really enjoyed, as much as I dislike the actor, I really enjoyed Tommy in the remake because you got the vibe. Like, he's more fleshed out to be a, a more good person. Right. Like he gives good advice. You know, he's, he's listening to Sue. He's like, Oh yeah. What, what the hell did Carrie White ever do to you? Did you apologize to her? He get, takes her to the prom, has a good time, still texts his girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like it, it felt like more fleshed out. Like, yes. Okay. I believe Sue and Tommy in the remake. I don't necessarily believe them up until I see Sue getting kicked out of the gym in the original. But it's also like a weird idea to think that like someone would clear their conscience by pimping out their boyfriend for prom night. Like, what is Mm -hmm. that? That idea. Sue, what's going on in there? I mean, I can see that. I could, I I mean, to me, I think I'm basing it solely on what I saw in the original. Um, And Chris, you're right. Like, it is unclear. It is, I get a vibe where... I'm not sure they could be switching it off at any moment, which I like that idea because that created suspense for me that I didn't clearly know their intention. So I was like, at any moment, you know, no one is saving Carrie. Like she just got played real hard. 
but in the 2013 version, I, it was nice to see that they were sweeter. They were, they were just being kind. Um, cause I think that's what I was searching for in this movie. I was like, can someone just be kind to someone, please? Like, please, someone so be kind. True. Yes. And I think the characters, at least like the extra characters and especially Chris in the 2013 version, they were just like too extra for me. They were that, catty mean girls that are in jawbreakers that are in you know every horror movie that has you know a little click in it and i was over i'm I'm over seeing that stuff already but definitely over it seeing it in this movie as well it was so dramatic them like up there and they're like we're gonna we can't do this and just stay we have to go this is a felony and it's just like yeah and i hate movies that are solely based like when prom is a event at a place because it's never realistic ever no and this one not realistic i'm glad it wasn't the snow globe thing you know especially the one that's in pretty little liars too so like (laughs) i was waiting for it you raise an interesting point about like annoying teenagers but i felt like the teenagers in this were different from how we typically see horror movie teenagers Horror movie teenagers are basically people who should are acting like they're already in college, a little bit mature, but more like I'm very privileged. I haven't had to struggle for anything in my life, etc. Whereas these felt more like immature brats who lack the the fundamental understanding of responsibility and consequences. And I appreciated that from like the perspective of like saying like these are just kids being shitty ass kids who do terrible things and don't know how to be accountable for it. So even then, like you're right. Chris especially was super extra, but I wasn't mad at it. Yeah, I feel like she did a really good job of being like an unlikable little asshole. You know what I mean? Especially in the scenes in the principal's office with her dad, where she was just like, isn't that illegal? I was like, girl, like, get a grip on reality. Like, you can't be this kind of person in the real world. It's not going to fly. Please get a grip on foundation color because her face was so orange (laughs) in this movie. Okay, Ryan, bullying the bully. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm bullying the makeup artist. I don't know. I mean, my face was orange in high school, but that doesn't mean it needs to be orange in a movie. Okay. That's funny. (laughs) They intentionally did that because they wanted her to be like overly suntan or like, you know, spray tan, tanning booth tan with like ratty hair uh, hair extensions. Because they wanted to subtly hint that maybe she's actually just jealous of how naturally beautiful Carrie is. I think they executed that perfectly, and I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. So in 2013, Miss Tess Jarden, my favorite character, also I think the best part of the movie. Interesting. I was picking up everything she was putting down, and I loved it. That's funny. I didn't care for it at all. I don't know. She was just, she was just kind of like meh to me. I couldn't figure out. I don't know. But like, consider the original gym teacher, and how she seemed weird in the beginning. Like she was she kind was of weird. laughing, but she wasn't. She was like, I was confused about how to feel. And and then in twenty thirteen, she like clearly is like, this is wrong. You guys are jerk offs, and I want to get rid of you. I don't want you to come to prom. I want you to be all suspended. But, you know, I'm on a leash in a, in a way. Yeah. And I feel like she was a better person in 2013, for sure. Oh, yeah. She was a better person. I felt like her character acted a little too similar. Like, she seemed like she was barely older than the kids. Yeah. Which is maybe maybe the case, honestly. It's, but I think just because she's so foxy. Oh, okay. You were just <laughs> in love with her. That's what it is. Yeah. She also did slap those kids a lot. There was a lot of slapping in both of these movies. Well, she's at least better than Mr. Ullman from the remake, who, uh, well, not only just being an asshole teacher, right, but also making eyes of one of the students. 
worst part of the new one for me is the principal because he's just like a grown man who can't say the word period repeatedly. And it's just like, cool, we get it. You're uncomfortable. This is the worst character you've ever played ever. My worst part of the remake is actually not even a character. It's a plot hole for me, which is we have cell phones. Uh, Sue receives a text message threatening Carrie's experience. Uh, We know that Tommy has his phone and texts Sue before. Why does Sue not fucking just call Tommy and say, hey, something's going on. Can you leave? That would make too much sense, Chris. We kind of touched on it already, but the worst part of the remake for me is Chloe Grace Moretz's portrayal of somebody with telekinetic abilities. I don't know if anyone else has done this, but I have often fantasized throughout my life of having telekinetic powers and the claws, the little claw hands are not it. The the shoulder from the shoulder to the tip of the finger was all wrong. I completely agree with you, and that's what I said. I was like, her flying was also like And the fly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, did she just turn into a bat or something? Like I was like so confused on that part. But yes, I too have thought I could move things. Once I watched Matilda, I was like, if she can do it, I can. Yep. But it never involved my hands. It only involved like eyes and eyebrows, like Oh see. I've got the hands, but I feel like I've perfected the hands, and it's really the same hands that Jean Grey does when she's doing psychic stuff in X-Men movies. It's like a, it's a strong hand, but the fingers are not curled. Like, that's like a witchy claw. You need to give me, like, full, ooh, you know? Oh, I'm sure (laughs) Chloe Grace Moretz values your very important feedback on this technique. She really should have consulted me. Uh, We're on the same page that this isn't a real ability telekinesis doesn't exist yes absolutely but if it were i mean i think it does really like you think people can move things with their mind (laughs) because i think people can move things i guess when you say it like that probably not so people can move things with their mind because their mind controls their hands that's right that's That's, right yeah my head is touching this water bottle i made my hand touch it though like yeah i guess when you say it it sounds so damn dumb yes because it is it's very dumb. I, it, it, I did feel the need to clarify for a moment because we were having a very serious conversation about the proper hand technique for telekinesis. Make no mistake. And I just don't know if we're on the same page here. It was when we were kids, okay? It's like when you thought your toys really came alive, like in Toy Story. Yeah. It's when I thought I could pee standing up if I tried hard enough. I just want to point out that Paris was a grown-ass man in 2013 when this came out. True. It's just like you can tell when somebody has never actually fantasized about having psychic powers. And Chloe's never fantasized about having psychic powers until she had to do it for this movie. And also, I feel like she's never really been weird. And that was also the worst part of the movie for me. Her trying to seem weird. She was totally weird. And uh, she let the right one in where she plays the vampire or yeah. Yeah. And actually, she did a much better job of it in that one, mm-hmm. which is why I was like, you can do this convincingly. What was this? But yeah choices as an actress are hers to make and not mine so okay so the 2013 has some interesting parts to it but the the 1976 here the obvious worst part of this film was the 45 minutes of clapping in slow motion like i don't know why that took so long like okay you give us a slow motion of the bucket give us a slow motion of maybe the like the second of like oh my gosh i see this rope and i'm looking but did we need the clapping and the cheering for literally three days it was 
the most miserable I have ever experienced slow motion being. Like slow motion is usually so exciting in a movie. It's usually so important. They, they really put some emphasis on certain scenes, but in this movie, oh my God. I was like, I could go make dinner and come back and they'd still be clapping. The worst part for me was, and I don't think it was the most annoying thing, but I know this movie for it. But is it to me, and I know it has something to do with the film they use, but that shit was grainy <laughs> and, like, fuzzy. Or is that? It's the 70s. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> it looked like a dirty pillow. For as much as I uh, struggle with some elements of the original, there's absolutely no denying that Sissy Spacek is an absolutely incredible carry. And... There are things that are good. There are things that are cool about this movie, but none of them are as strong as her portrayal. I still prefer Chloe Grace Moretz. Weird technique and facial reactions to telekinetic powers aside, I absolutely prefer just like that vision of Carrie. But uh, Sissy Spacek, if, she, if anyone else were Carrie in this movie, I think it'd absolutely be a strong hack. For me, there's two pretty big standouts for worst parts of the original. Um, one was just the gay English teacher. He just sucked. And I was like, really? The one gay is just going to suck? I mean, besides the gym teacher, who I wasn't sure was intentional or not. But fully, this the opening scene with the bullying and the period and the tampon and the plug it up of it all, I know it's like a, a staple of the movie, but I hate it. I feel like there's a million other ways you can show somebody being bullied, but like, that was just too much. That's just the kind of energy that really doesn't make me feel nice. It also kind of doesn't make sense because if we're being honest here, like none of us enjoy that part of life and we all deal with it. Yeah. While I'm not saying that everyone is always kind about things that they understand, girls teasing each other about their periods is like a little far-fetched in this way. Because, like, we understand it would be boys. It would be stupid, you know, like, the stupid boys that are like, oh, my God, she got her period. Like, that would be real. Mm -hmm. But women, like, we get it, you know, to some degree. It sucks, bro. Now, all that aside, I can definitively say I don't care to watch the original ever again. Like, I feel like I've seen it enough in my life at this point. I've seen it for what it is. It's cool. I know the good bits. I know the bad bits. But if I ever want to watch Carrie, as I mentioned earlier, I will be watching the 2013 again. How about you folks? If I ever see that a Carrie movie of any kind of is on, I will be watching it. Um, also, Julianne Moore is one of my favorite actresses. So is Chloe Grace Moretz. So this is, even though I didn't like this one the most, I will still happily watch this anytime. Agree. Even though I gave um, 2013 a soft slash, I'd still watch it again, I think, in some sequential order that I like watching all my movies that have um, a series in them. But um, Rage of Carrie or whatever that may be, something Rage, it, I like that one. I think I'm okay on rewatching both of these, although I wouldn't be mad at rewatching the remake. I will probably never rewatch the remake. And when I have kids... Uh, when And they're like teenagers and they want to get into horror movies. I'll have them watch the 1976 and they'll probably hate it because it'll be the year like 2090 or whatever. And we'll be in flying cars and they're going to be like, what is film? I don't understand. It's not an AR. But 
even then, I'll make them watch the original. And if they ask about the 2013, I'll tell them it doesn't exist because uh, I just think it's extraneous. I think your kids are going to be watching way too many classics to worry about something like that. Like alien, all that sort of stuff. Please let your children know they don't have to uh, view women with the objectified lens that uh, this movie shows them in. Oh, I won't have to worry about that because we'll watch it and they're going to just laugh with me at how bad it is. And they're like, ha ha ha, people were like this one time. That's crazy. And then I'll say, kid, you're laughing like an android. Mm -hmm. You have to improve your laughter. You need five, not four. (laughs) Well... Let's go ahead and move on to our final order of business here in terms of comparing these movies with our head-to-head comparison. In terms of the visuals, which one is better, the original or the remake? Oh, gee. The original. The original, for sure. I'm going to just break the trend here and go for the remake. Oh, no, I agree with you. Don't worry. But uh, clearly, we're we're in the minority tonight. What about the better approach to the story? I'm once again going remake. I'm going to stick with the original. I'll go with the remake because it feels like they fleshed it out more uh, in ways that I enjoyed. Yeah, I might have to say the 2013. Yeah. All right. What about the performances? Oh, that's the original. Original. Oh, 2013. Yeah. What? It's the 2013, you guys. Julianne Moore. They were all stock characters. Are you kidding? Except for her. Oh, right. I'm out of here. In the the original, they're all stock characters. The performances were handedly better in the remake. Uh, Well... It looks like, at least, the remake won out in the story and the performances. While visually, it seems like the majority of folks here prefer the original. Now, I do believe Mac has whipped up a bit for us in Fact or Fiction. I did. I used my hand mixer and I whipped it up. So, number one, Steven Spielberg met his future wife while visiting the set of Carrie 1976. Sure. Fact. Fact. Mm, Just going to go fiction because no reason. Well, good choice, Ryan. Actually, bad choice, because this is a fact. So, PJ Souls reported that Brian De Palma invited Spielberg to the set for all the cute girls, and apparently Spielberg asked out most of the women on set, Souls included. Ew. Trash. Yeah. Amy Irving, though, was the only one that accepted, and they were married from 85 to 89 and had a son together. Can I just say, if you're Steven Spielberg, you would definitely ask out all the women on set. You guys are talking trash. Like, that's not what he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's trying to shoot his shot. Okay, well, that's how we uh, lend to very dangerous practices in film. (laughs) Yeah, slippery (laughs) slope. Now, oddly enough, De Palma and Nancy Allen were married from 79 to 84. So I guess meeting your boo on the set is like a regular thing back in the 70s and 80s. Number two, Amy Irving, who played Sue Snell, and William Catt, who played Tommy Ross... Read for Leia and Luke for Star Wars A New Hope. I bet you love some Star Trek on this. It's uh, Star Wars that I talked about, (laughs) so this is Chris's thing. But the answer to what you said is correct. He does love Star Trek. (laughs) I would prefer there to be Star Trek involved, yes. Um, I'm going to say fiction. Yeah, I'm going to say fiction. This sounds like made-up Mac stuff. I'm going to have to say fact because you guys said fiction. Yeah, this is a fact. And Sissy Spacek was George Lucas's number three pick for Leia. So that would be a very different Star Wars. Number three, not that high. Well, you know, you got to have picks. You got to have picks. I'd be pissed if I was number three. I'm like, eh, there's two other people ahead of me. Think about anyone in the world who might have been picked to to play Princess Leia. And you were like, hey, you're number, you're number three, okay? There's only two other people ahead of you. Number three, much to the chagrin of the filmmakers, the scene in which Nancy Allen goes downtown with John Travolta unexpectedly caused massive laughter in Irish theaters. Fact. Fiction. Fiction. 
This is a fiction because they never saw it because Irish censors cut out that scene before it could be released. No blowjobs in Ireland? Apparently they didn't exist back then. Is it because drinking and driving? No, just no bad blowjobs in Ireland. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, not realistic enough, you can't show it. Number four. The horror master himself, Stephen King, suggested Lindsay Lohan, who was 27 at the time the film was released, for the role of Carrie for 2013. God, I hope not. Um... Uh, 2013 was not Lindsay Lohan's time. If this was like 2005, maybe. I'm going fiction. Yeah, fiction. Honestly, I would have been obsessed with this, so I'm going to will this to be a fact. And your telekinetic powers have paid off. You've lifted the candle off the table. This is a fact. King suggested her because he thought she looked like Sissy Spacek. What a world we would be living in right now. COVID, I don't think would have happened. This must be pre-fillers, right? Maybe. I don't know. Now, the other 2010s hottie, Megan Fox, expressed interest in the role. That's what I'm saying, though. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan was like... That's not a question. That's a fact. Oh. Okay. (laughs) Lindsay Lohan was like already in rehab by this point. Like, this is past her prime. That would make it so good. All right. Well, finally, number five, Chloe Grace Moretz hung out with ex-prisoners to help get in the mind of someone trapped and without control over their own lives. Uh, Fiction. I don't see her doing that. Yeah. She's 15 at the time. I don't think that's something that could have happened. You know, my immediate thought was absolutely not, but I'm going fact. So this is fiction, but the director, Kimberly Pierce, sent her to homeless shelters so she could be around people who'd had really tough lives. That somehow seems worse. (laughs) Well, that's fact or fiction. Well, thank you for that education, Mac. And there you have it, folks. Carrie has earned mixed results. The original has earned three slashes and two hacks, while the remake squeaked by with four slashes and one hack. A little bit better. Now, while we've certainly had a lot to talk about here, it doesn't end here by any means. We want to hear from you folks who have experienced Carrie in all its forms. Uh, We want to know what you think. Keep in mind there are a number of ways to reach out to us starting with our website hackerslash.com and on our social media accounts on facebook instagram and twitter and if your mom is nothing like this you can reach out to our hackerslash hotline we'd love to hear about it you can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to send us an audio message or if you've ever used your telekinetic powers for good you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com if you've enjoyed listening to this episode consider becoming one of our patrons like darren you can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, to quote the original novel, Sorry is the Kool-Aid of human emotions. True sorrow is as rare as true love. Bye. Bye.